Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard Podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing Lagan Valley filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, laganvalleyvineyard.com. Well, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Great to see you. My name's Stu. If we haven't met before, I'm one of the pastors here at Lagan Valley Vineyard. You're all so welcome. It is great to see you. I've just got one last announcement for you. Next Sunday afternoon, after this service, next Sunday afternoon, uh, we are hosting a worship workshop. It's very difficult to say those two words together. Uh, so for anybody who's between the ages of 11 and 18 and you're passionate about worship, you are so welcome to come along and be a part of this. One of the things that I love about our community is the emerging, growing worship community that is right at the heart of it wonderful community of people who are passionate about worship, passionate about leading us as a community into the presence of Jesus in environments all across the life of our church. We don't want that just to be confined to the adults. And so we want to create space for our teens to be involved in worship. So if you're a teenager and you're passionate about worship um, and you can play something, it doesn't need to be like rock star level. It can kind of be just play, you know. You're so welcome to come along next week. All of the information about that is on our website. We'd love to have you Along to the worship workshop. Very deliberately said that that way. Um, why don't you go ahead and open up your Bibles to the 27th Psalm. There are Bibles sat across the rows. Please do grab one. In this series, Walking with God, we're wanting to help you develop your conversation with Jesus as you walk along the road of life with him. So often, our conversations with God can be a little bit monotone, they can be a little bit samey. We find ourselves talking to God in the same way about the same things. And really in this series, well, we're wanting to teach you that your conversations with Jesus don't have to be dull. They don't have to be monotone. Prayer is simply this, talking and listening to God. And so we want to help you to come and see that you've been invited into a conversation with Jesus that is rich that is varied, that is simple, but also very, very deep. Last week, Lauren did an amazing job teaching us that the launch pad into our conversations with God, it begins with stillness. Us learning to be still and seeing that he is God and we definitely aren't. And in the next few weeks, we're going to be teaching you about different types of prayer. We're going to be talking about intercession prayer next week. I think Chris is up Next week, you're on next week, right? Cool. Uh, Chris going to be teaching us on intercession prayer next week. We're going to be looking at spiritual warfare. How do we warfare through our prayers? We're going to be teaching on listening prayer and other different kinds of prayer. And the reason why we are doing this is because we want your conversation with Jesus to last the length of your life. It's a pretty long time. And so at different times, at different stages of your life, it's important to know the different conversational styles through prayer, so you're able to draw upon them and enjoy a rich conversation with Jesus. Whenever his disciples asked him, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? Jesus taught them a prayer, a prayer that begins with a line of adoration, a prayer of worship. Our Father in heaven, Jesus said, hallowed be your name. In Jesus' model of prayer, he shows us that the opening line, the beginning of our conversation, it is to always be laced with loving adoration. And decades later, in writing to a young church plant in the city of Philippi, Paul invites followers of Jesus that he's writing to, to learn to rejoice in the Lord always, at all times, not just in one place, 
but in all places. Not just in one moment, but in all moments. And here's the headline that I really am trying to go after today. I believe that one of the best ways that we can learn to rejoice, to praise, to worship Jesus at all times and in all places is through our prayers. I think we need to learn what it means to worship through prayer. So that's what I'm going to go after today. I'm going to spend a few minutes talking about why our worship is really important. And then I'm going to invite you to do something that I don't do very often. I'm going to invite you to come behind the scenes of my own life. And I'm going to walk through what this looks like for me, the daily rhythm of prayer that I have in place in my life. And then we'll finish off our time, as we always do, by creating space to wait on the Lord and be open to what the Spirit is wanting to do amongst us. So friends, if you're able, let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. Psalm 27, Psalm of David, come Holy Spirit. The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. The war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all of the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and, he set, my, and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At a sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice whenever I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says, if you seek his face, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject or forsake me, God, my Savior. Though my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not hand me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. This is the word of the Lord, given to us so that we will know the love of the Father, will practice the way of the Son, and be filled over and over and over again by the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen. You can grab a seat. Let's return back to the opening line of the prayer that Jesus taught his friends. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We don't really use the word hallow very often. We just kind of use it in the line of this prayer. But it means to honor it means to praise. Hallow is a verb. It's a doing word. And in the opening line of the prayer that Jesus teaches us how we should pray, we see that our prayers, they are to call us into worship. The question I want to ask is, why does Jesus teach us to pray in this way? Like, I don't know about you, but whenever I approach somebody and begin a conversation with them, by beginning with how great they are, how wonderful they are, how amazing they are, usually I do that for one of two reasons. One, I really want something from them. Or two, I can tell that they're pretty insecure, and so I can kind of butter them, butter them up a wee bit and just encourage them. 
Is that what God's like? Is that what prayer is all about? Is that why we are to pray? It's really important for us to see that our hallowing of God, it's more for our sake than it is for his. Jesus is the most secure person on the planet. So often other things, other people in our lives, they are hallowed more than Jesus is. And so prayer is an act of redirecting our worship, our adoration, our hallowing towards the one who is worthy of it all. Let me walk you through what I mean whenever I say that. Worship isn't just a Christian thing. Worship is a human thing. In his famous commencement speech at Kenyon College, David Foster Wallace spoke to the truth that to be human is to worship by saying this, which is the quote that all nerdy preachers use all the time. In the day-to-day trenches of adult life, there is no such thing as atheism. There is no such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. The only choice is what we get to worship. Worship is essentially this, directing our hearts, our loves, and our longings towards the thing or the person that matters most to us. Everyone that you meet has one thing that they value above anything else, the one thing that they put first. Or to put it in language that we're familiar with around here, everyone has a boss of their lives. And if the boss of your life isn't Jesus, it will be someone or something else. Everyone has an ultimate thing that they worship. And that one thing, it captures our hearts and it has a power to direct us as we center our lives on the one thing that we hallow. This happens because we're wired this way. We were wired to worship. Everyone has that place in their hearts that can only be filled by one thing. God has formed us ultimately in this way because he wants that place within us to be filled with him and with him alone. Our hearts will be restless until we come to see that glorifying God and enjoying him forever is what being a human is truly about. But instead of seeing Jesus as the only one that can occupy this place in our lives, this place of worship, so often we settle for substitutes, for fake gods. Father Ronald Rollheiser puts it like this. Today, most of us do not see our restless longing as pushing us towards the infinite, towards God. We have trivialized and tamed our longing. Instead of longing for the transcendent, we distract ourselves by focusing our desires on the good life, on sex, on money, on success, and on whatever else we think everybody else has, which is a really important thing for our social media-fueled age. Whenever behind a screen you think that that person has everything, in reality they don't, and they're exactly the same as you. Whole other talk for a whole other time. Anyway, there is nothing inherently bad about these things. But if we define our deepest longings as directed towards these things in themselves, we will end up disappointed and empty. Ultimately, our restless aching is a yearning for God. We need to connect with God. We need prayer. Philip Yancey pulls the conversation out a little bit wider to culture whenever he says, a society that denies the supernatural usually ends up elevating the natural to supernatural status. Only Jesus can occupy this hallowed place in our hearts. Only he is worthy of our worship. 
But what we do all the time is we try to hoist or elevate natural things into this supernatural space. Popularity, progress in our career, keeping an eye on the calorie count so we will look fit in both senses of the term. We think about the dream house, the holiday, our sex lives, our influencing of others, that sports team, the dream of the partner, whatever. We try to hoist these things up and keep them up there. But we simply cannot bear the weight of pushing these things or these people into a place that they cannot fit into. We can't hold them up there forever. And so often these things that we center our lives on, our energy upon, they either break our hearts or they collapse right on top of us. And that's why I want to direct your attention towards Psalm 27, where we find David praying to God. If you're unfamiliar with David, he is a king, a man who has seen much success. He's a man who's familiar with power, with popularity, with riches. He's a man who has had all the sex. And yet in this prayer, he confesses that none of it is enough. None of these things have satisfied him. But there's one thing that has. And so in verse 4 of Psalm 27, he cries out, One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all of the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For David, the one thing, the ultimate thing, the thing above anything else is the worship of God and learning to rest in his presence. If the heart is an idol factory, as Calvin said, David has tried all of the products on the production line but none of them have satisfied the deepest longings of his heart. He's saying here that there is only one thing that is worth hallowing, and it is worshiping God himself. Rest, joy, the things that you are longing for, they will only ever be satisfied as you learn to dwell in the presence of Jesus every day, learning to see that his life is better. Sorry. His love is better than life itself. Let me ask you, what is the thing, the person, the possession, the dream, the idea that you hallow above anything else? What is it? And I don't mean to be cheeky, but how is that going for you? Trust me on this, friends. Your heart will be restless until you find your rest in the worship of a loving God. And this is why our worship, our singing, our prayers, our way of life, that is why our worship is really, really important. Because not only is worship an invitation, it's also a confrontation. Whenever I do this, I like to share a quote or it. Um, And... You may have heard me share one line, if you've been paying really close attention, um, to a quote that I think I've, I think I've said it pretty much every time I've got up here in the past two years. It's the headline, by the way, of every single 321 email that we send. And it's a line from my favorite poet, Mary Oliver, who says this, attention is the beginning of devotion. As we try to walk through modern life, our attention and therefore our devotion, it is contested all of the time. 
in big ways and in super small ways, rival gods or idols or attachments, they are trying to pull our adoration, our hallowing away from Jesus, pulling us away from the one thing that David has found. And rather than letting someone else get hallowed, our worship of Jesus, it is the conscious and confronting act of resistance, of turning our inward gaze towards him and through our praising of him, making his beauty and his greatness more important than anything else in our life. With all of the idols and attachments and rival gods that are chasing after us, as we learn to worship Jesus before him, we confess, and before all of those things, we declare that there is only one thing that I want out of my life, and Jesus, it is you. This contest, this fighting for our attention is happening all of the time. It might be happening now. It'll definitely happen whenever you're heading home. It'll definitely happen whenever you go to work tomorrow. It will like, unbelievably happen all the time, every time you're on the phone, every time you engage in the media. It is happening all of the time. But whenever I say the word worship, what comes to mind? Like, I know the answer is Jesus, okay? But like, beyond that, whenever I say the word worship, what comes to mind? Truthfully, for me, it's what we did 20 minutes ago whenever we sang songs in this room together. And of course, that's worship. Gathering as a diverse family in a physical room to join our wonderful and tone-deaf voices, tone-deaf people, you know who you are. Actually, you don't know who you are. Um, But whenever we join together to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, that is one of the most important practices of the church. But worship sets come to an end, right? These guys aren't still leading us in song. And so if David Foster Wallace is right in saying that the day-to-day trenches of adult life, that is the space where our devotion, our hallowing is most contested, well then, how do we worship? Like, truthfully, I've asked my mates, James and Hannah, to be on call 24-7, follow me around Lisburn, so that I'm able to turn to them and say, right, let me worship. And they weren't up for it. Like, how selfish is that? Like, my goodness. How do we worship Jesus in the thick of ordinary, everyday, hectic life? I believe that we need to elevate the practice of worshiping through our prayers, especially in the gaps between Sunday and Sunday. I love how Eugene Peterson defines prayer. Yes, there's another quote coming up. Uh, He says this, prayer is the act in which we approach God as a living person, a thou to whom we speak, not an it that we talk about. Prayer is the attention that we give to the one who attends to us. It is the decision to approach God as the personal center, as our Lord and Savior. Our entire lives are gathered up and expressed in this approach. Prayer is the personal language raised to the highest degree. Through our prayers, our conversation with God, we can approach him not as a man-made idol, but as the living, resurrected boss of our lives. I believe that our days, our comings and our goings, they are to be punctuated with prayerful praise. There is a lot of peace in that sentence. The question is, how do we do this? And I believe that we get to worship through our prayers in two ways. In set ways, 
and in spontaneous ways, in ways that are fixed and in ways that are a bit more free. Let's talk about the set and the fixed first. As a devout Jew, Jesus would have had a set rhythm to his daily prayer life. As well as going to temple on the Sabbath, daily he would have prayed a prayer known as the Shema. He prayed it three times a day. And the Shema begins with this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed is the name of his glorious kingdom forever and ever. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. There would have been this set rhythm to Jesus' thanksgiving and praise. And I believe that we should also have a set rhythm to our worship. I know from experience that you simply cannot leave prayer up to chance. Because if you're anything like me, you simply won't pray. Prayer, and especially worshiping God through our prayers, it requires a rhythm, a framework, an architecture that means that whenever we don't want to pray or don't know what to pray, we still pray. Prayer, it takes practice. We are to be deliberate and disciplined in our prayers. Rollheiser again says this, there is no bad way to pray and there is no one starting point for prayer. We all come at this from different angles. But all the great spiritual masters offer only one non-negotiable rule. You have to show up. You have to show up for prayer and you have to show up regularly. Now the next line is really good news, particularly for those of you who are absolutely slammed. Everything else is negotiable and it respects your unique circumstances. So whether you have barely 30 seconds to pray in your day, or you've got 30 minutes or even longer, the same rule still applies. You just got to show up, even if it is just for scraps of prayer, we are still invited into a dynamic prayer life. Now, I want to share what my everyday or mostly everyday prayer life looks like. I'm good, but I'm not that good. And I share this not so that you will copy it, okay? We all come at this from different angles, but I do want you to see that prayer does require a consistent framework, a rhythm, especially in the thick of our days whenever our worship gets pulled in so many different directions. Whenever I wake up, I quietly slip into our kitchen on the Belsize Road, and I sluggishly sit on a stool that looks out over our garden, and I pray a set prayer. It's a liturgy that has been lifted from Psalm 27, the teaching text that we used, and also has a call and response part that's sort of been lifted from the Shema prayer, which I just talked about a few minutes ago. Every morning I wake up and I pray, one thing I have asked of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. And then there's the call and response part. Who is it that you seek? Will I seek the Lord, my God? Do you seek him with all of your heart? Amen, Lord, have mercy. Do you seek him with all of your mind? Amen, Lord, have mercy. Do you seek him with all of your soul? Amen, Lord, have mercy. Do you seek him with all of your strength? Amen, Christ, have mercy. And to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and I have believed, and I have come to know that you are the Holy One of God, so praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. This prayer, it baptizes the rest of my day into the worship of Jesus. It's my declaration of devotion, my act of resistance against idols. God knows there are lots of things that will pull at my worship, 
but before anything else can really sneak in, I express that my longing, my desire is for the divine. And then after praying this one thing prayer, I'll then go on to pray a few scriptures as part of my daily office, but I'll begin by praying a psalm. Not reading a psalm, but praying a psalm. Usually I do this out loud, but I kind of whisper because Emma's still sleeping and she's not really a morning person. The reason I use the Psalms is that this is Jesus' own prayer book, his own songbook. The Psalms got so into his bones that in the hardest moments of his life, we just find the Psalms just leaking out of him. And as I've whispered these Psalms aloud in recent years, I find that they have put a language to the deepest cries of my heart. And after that, I'll get some breakfast, have some coffee, and then go on with the rest of my day. I lean on liturgy, and I pray the Psalms. And I've had some conversations with some friends who have jokingly said that it all feels rather high church. It's all rather overly holy. Listen, I don't do this for any other reason than this. I need to pray set liturgical prayers. I need to pray the Psalms, not because I am holy, but because I am nowhere near holy enough. Left in my own devices, I would jump out of bed, jump on the Times app, then the Guardian app, you know, balance, and then Twitter, then emails, then Wordle, then WhatsApp messages, then jump in the shower, grab breakfast, say goodbye to M, rush, who's still sleeping, by the way, uh, rush to my first meeting, jump to my second meeting, have lunch, finish Wordle, because I'm not that smart and always need to return back to it later on the day. I'll keep working, come home, have some food, hang with M, and go to bed. I work for a church, and even I can miss a whole day without praying to Jesus once. This act of praying set prayers and praying the Psalms, like, trust me, it takes five minutes of my morning, but it is me commanding myself, as David would say in Psalm 103, to praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, would you just wake up and praise his holy name? I wake up tired sluggish, and rather than wait until I feel ready to worship, I need fixed prayers to awaken my soul. And this ritual, it carries me beyond my tiredness, my feelings, my distraction, and it keeps me praying whenever I am too tired to muster up my own energy. There are also some days whenever I wake up, and in seasons of life whenever I'm going through the ringer, and I find it even praying is just a real struggle. Putting words to my prayers just is hard. Maybe there's some of you here who are finding that today. This is the reason why I'm so glad that I'm able to turn to ancient prayers and psalms that the church has been rehearsing and reciting for generations upon generations as calls to worship, daily worship. Here's the thing. More days than not, I don't feel like praying whenever I wake up. Shocker. It's not normal for me to roll out of bed, get caught up into the heavenly presence of Jesus, and just stay there for the rest of the day. I'm not that good, right? Most mornings, praying is an act of the will. It is a discipline. But as I quietly and tiredly pray aloud words of worship, I am daily and defiantly expressing my deepest desire. I want to worship Jesus with my whole life. I want him to have everything. And this is the space where formation happens. 
The depth of your devotion to Jesus is revealed in what you do on the days whenever you're just not feeling it. So do you have an architecture, a framework, a foundation in place that will continue to carry you in the direction of your deepest desires on the days whenever you're not feeling it? If not, can I encourage you, start building. Start small. Start with 30 seconds in your morning, then go on to a minute, two minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes. Find a prayer, find a psalm, just even use three, two, one, and just repeat it and repeat it and repeat it daily. Allow this rhythm to get into your bones. The only other fixed moment of worship for me comes just before Emma and I go to sleep. Most evenings these days, we find ourselves just praying together, speaking aloud our gratitude for the day. And well, we say this all the time. We finish our days by just telling Jesus that we love him. Amen. Sleep. That is the fixed, set rhythm of my daily worship through prayer. It's really simple. But the regularity of it, it reinforces my worship whenever it's so easy for my devotion to be pulled apart in so many different directions. This architecture of daily worship reminds me that there's only one thing that I seek, and it's Jesus. This set rhythm is so important for me. But it can't just be that either. There is also a second way that we are to pray or worship, and that is three ways that are much more spontaneous, ways that are much more free. We are to learn how to pray without ceasing, to pray spontaneously in the moment and on the go, because as we get bombarded by these rival gods throughout our day, whenever we're at work, at home, on our phones, or whatever, these spontaneous prayers, they redirect us back towards Jesus. The prayer that I find myself praying most often and most quickly throughout my day is simply the prayer, thank you, Jesus, amen. In moments whenever I'm reminded of his goodness, in moments whenever I look out at the apple tree that sits in our garden that is now blossoming, whenever I eat some good food, I was at a gig last night and was like, thank you, Jesus, that live music is back. Whenever I see the activity of God in the life of my friends and in my community, this small, simple prayer, it grounds me in the truth that Jesus is the source of all goodness. And I want to praise him by thanking him. Also, at times throughout my day, whether I'm pottering in the house, I'm in the office or in the car, I also find praying in tongues to be something really helpful as a way to worship. I believe that tongues, the gift of tongues, is for the building up of the body. More of that, please. But praying in tongues is also such a wonderful thing for behind the scenes of our lives as we're able to raise our spirits in the direction of devotion with deep cries within us that Jesus hears and understands. Finally, one of the most important ways to worship through our prayers is through us expressing our worship through our own words. Some of us, I find over the years of following Jesus that whenever you're praying with people, they have a prayer voice. They've got a normal voice and then they've got a prayer voice and it's so different, right? Prayer is a conversation with Jesus. It's a conversation that is to be laced with love. Our conversation with him is to be quite intimate. And that means that I think we need to learn to speak to Jesus with our own voice, our words, our cadence, our tone, our way of speaking. But using our real voice in real time, using our words in prayer, it can be quite hard. It can be quite uncomfortable. 
And I think this is the reason why we're often way too quick to stick worship music on in the background, where we can oftentimes find ourselves relying on other people's words of worship to express our love for God rather than using our own words. Let me clarify. I believe that Jesus is hallowed whenever we sing to him that he is waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. I believe he loves that. But there is a layer of devotion that goes even deeper that we're invited into where we learn every day to express our devotion to Jesus in our own words with our own voice. Let me put it to you like this. Every day I tell Emma that I love her. I was hoping for an awe, but that's okay, that's fine. Um, uh, I'm, a, I'm a romantic, but I'm a clunky romantic. So there are times whenever I want to express not just that I love Emma, but why I love her, to extend the conversation out a little bit, to open up my heart to her. And that is a pretty vulnerable thing. And so the easy thing for me to do would be to put on some Marvin Gaye, some Luther Vandross, a little Anita, just to set this party off right, uh, to use someone else's words to express my love. Yes, early noughties hip-hop fans, that was slow jams. Um, I'm so glad that some people got that, the 930, that was just way over their head. They're like, what, Kanye? What's going on? Um, anyway, yeah, I'm a college dropout guy. All right, there's nothing wrong with using someone else's words to express your love. Praise God for Luther Vandross. But what is better, harder, clunkier, more vulnerable is using your own words to express the cries of your loving heart. So whenever I express my love for Emma in my own words, it is not like some perfectly scripted line from a rom-com. It's all over the place. I stumble over my words. I can't quite get the right words out there is emotion on show. It's super clunky, and that is the way that it's supposed to be. Because the expression of real love, it is clunky, but it is honest and it is real. We can't always just defer the expression of our love to just using somebody else's words of devotion. We need to find our own voice to express our intimate worship in prayer. Tozer puts it like this, God desires and is pleased to communicate with us through the avenues of our minds, our wills, and our emotions. The continuous and unembarrassed interchange of love and thought between God and the souls of redeemed men and women is the throbbing heart of the New Testament religion. Continuous, unembarrassed interchange of love. The hero of the faith who teaches us best to direct our worship in this way through prayer is Brother Lawrence, a monk from the 1600s. As he went about his days in an abbey just outside of Paris, preparing food, cleaning dishes, talking to others, sharing meals, in the normal rhythm of his everyday life, he would just find himself in the moment becoming so aware of Jesus and expressing his love through prayer. And through Lawrence's example, we too can learn what it means to practice the presence of God by being open to meeting God and worshiping him in any moment, in the car, with our kids, in the office, on a walk, on a stool, in our kitchen. There's no space where we cannot encounter the presence of Jesus. What I'm simply getting at through this talk is this. Our worship cannot be confined to the worship set. 
Our worship cannot be confined to this building. Our worship cannot be confined to a Sunday. And our worship cannot be confined to somebody else's words. Every aspect of daily life, it is a valid entry point into expressing your love for Jesus through your prayers. Through prayer, you can worship at any moment. Or as Brother Lawrence would say, he does not ask much of us, merely a thought of him from time to time. We can all do that, right? A little act of adoration, sometimes to ask for his grace, sometimes to offer him your sufferings, at other times to thank him for graces past and present in the midst of your troubles, to take solace in him as often as you can. Lift up your heart to him during your meals and in company. The least little remembrance will always be the most pleasing to him. That is good news for those of us who are living busy, full lives. One does not need to cry out very loudly. He is nearer to us than we think. Friends, the least little remembrance of Jesus in the thick of your day will be the most pleasing worship to his ears. Alex, Andy, guys, come on up. In the trenches of day-to-day adult life, there is no such thing as not worshiping. Your worship is contested all of the time. And so in the gaps between Sundays, we need to practice a way of prayer that declares our devotion to Jesus. Hallowed be your name. I love these people that are behind me and coming up right now. And they lead us wonderfully into worship. But we don't need them to lead us into worship all of the time. We can lead ourselves. We need to learn to worship through our prayers. And so as we do, we get formed into worshipers, those who learn to worship in spirit and in truth, those who glorify God and also enter into our joy. And we do this through our prayers, prayers that flow with a Jesus rhythm throughout our day, prayers that are defiant and ancient and simple and clunky and quick, prayers that can be prayed in any moment, in any place, prayers that are intimate, prayers that are in our words, prayers that are stronger than our feelings or our fatigue, prayers that whisper out the least little remembrance of his goodness, prayers that simply sound like, thank you, Jesus, amen. We pray like this, simply because we want to see Jesus in his temple. We want our eyes to be fixed on him. We want the deepest longings of our hearts to be articulated through our prayers. One thing I ask, one thing do I seek, that I would dwell in your house, Lord, all the days of my life, to behold your beauty and to seek you in your temple. Amen. Let's stand together, shall we? As I've been preparing for today, there's one group of people that I find myself just drawn to in prayer. And it's those of us who are simply clinging on to our faith. There's maybe one word that I guess that kind of sums up what I'm trying to get at. It's you're just disillusioned. This might be that you are disillusioned with God, but I think what is often the case is that we're disillusioned with the things that we're trying to hoist up or elevate the supernatural status. And in recent times, they've just collapsed over us and we're really feeling it. 
I'm talking about the folks that whenever it comes to singing in the middle of a worship set, you're never going to let me down. It just feels really hard to sing and we just can't bring ourselves to sing it. Do you know what I mean? The logical thing for those of us who find ourselves in disillusioned places is to not worship. And please hear me in this. I've got a lot of history in this area. I know what I'm talking about. I've been in this space a lot. And I find myself at times whenever I'm really, really struggling and then I'm finding myself in a space of worship or getting encouraged to worship or hearing talks about worship. I'm like, oh no. And I just want to tap out and run away from it. In those spaces that I've been in in the past, in my head, I felt, you know what, if I could just get that one insight that I've been longing for, then everything will be okay. If I could just get that one question answered, then everything will be resolved. If I could just hold on until I feel it again, well then everything will be okay. We push back against our disillusionment with doxology. That's how this works. It's not hanging on for the insight. It's not waiting for that thing to be resolved. We push back against our sense of disillusionment with doxology. I know that the logical thing is not to worship, but our worship is what forms us into worshipers. Worshipers who worship Christ in spirit and in truth. It's like two friends who are walking towards a mass on Resurrection Sunday and Jesus walks alongside them, but they don't know that it is Jesus. They are in a day of disillusionment. Everything has fallen apart, but they walked and they talked with this person. And as they look back and remember that it was Jesus, what do they say? Well, wasn't our hearts just burning inside of us whenever we walked with him along the road, whenever we talked with him? As you worship, even in your disillusionment, as you push back against your doubts or deconstruction with doxology, trust me, friends, your heart will begin to burn again. It will. It's through worship that we get to become worshipers. For the rest of us, though, my challenge to you, my encouragement to you is don't ever confine worship to this space. As we leave this place, let's leave as those who are worshipers. And so this week, I want you to have a go. I want you to start small. I want you to grow incrementally more and more. I want you to be creative. Get out into nature. Set some alarms to disrupt your day. Journal a bit. Pray in different ways. Pray that little bit more. It is for us to learn to pray through our prayers. We're going to worship in a second through song. These guys are going to lead us. But before that, we're going to worship through prayer and you are going to lead yourself. So I'm going to pray and then I'm going to leave a few moments. And I'd love for you to stand in this time to engage your whole body in prayer. For those of you, like prayer and worship is a really comfortable thing. Can I encourage you in this gap that we're creating where nothing really is going to happen apart from you leading yourself into worship, just to express yourself a little bit more, you might want to pray out loud. Some of you have maybe struggled to pray out loud in the past. This is maybe a space for you to practice praying out loud. Whispering's okay. Shouting's also okay too. This might be a space for you if you've struggled to express yourself in worship that you might actually want to raise your hands as you worship. 
There may be some of you who used to pray in tongues all the time, but actually it hasn't really happened a lot recently. And maybe this is a space for you, just where you are, just to allow tongues to rise up once again. For some of you, you might want to get on your knees. You might want to get into the aisles as you pray. Just worship the Lord in spirit and truth. Express yourself that little bit more. All right, I'm going to pray because I'll keep on going. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we want to welcome you into this moment, into our lives. Jesus, would you form us into worshipers? And for those of us who feel disillusioned, even with simple prayers of thank you, Jesus, I pray that you would help us to push back our disillusionment with doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Even on the hard days, you're the source of all goodness. Spirit, would you help us and form us to be those who can lead ourselves, who can command our souls into worship. So Lord, would you lead us into that right now, into this gap, into this space. Help us to worship you, I pray. Just wherever you are, just right now, just begin to worship him. Just begin just to pray. If you're really struggling, just think of one thing that you're grateful for and thank Jesus for it. Thank you so much for being here. Go in peace to worship and serve the Lord this week. Thank you for being with us. Grace, peace to you all.